You're listening to Tom and Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Final half hour of Tom and Bach. Pre-game yet to come. The Mark Whipple thing, I don't know if it has legs. I It might. It may not. Um, but it feels like, at least as far as Twitter is concerned, there's something there with Mark Whipple. Well, he's resigning. <laughs> that must mean he's got another job unless uh, there's, there's something else to it. There's been rumors about whether he's been interviewed or been looked at by Nebraska. Um, so... Yeah, it seems like he's at least found another job, and it seems like Nebraska's been flirting with him. So that's that's yeah. where we are. Sometimes flirting leads to a date and leads to marriage and wonderful things. Sometimes flirting just leads to uh, maybe you get the number or maybe you don't. Who knows? Uh, let's ask BC of Husker 24-7. Any legs to the Mark Whipple story, you think? Uh, yeah, maybe. I uh, don't know that for sure. I know he's been a can- top candidate at Nebraska. He's one of the three or four that I think is left on the list going into the day. I think Graham Harrell was up there, and I think Whipple was right up there uh, close to him in that discussion. Um, and obviously, you know, with Her- with Graham Harrell, I don't – he might be a guy with some various options on the table, so, you know, that could be part of it too. But, you know, Whipple's uh, – He's a he's a 64 year old coach who um, has has a long career of developing QBs. He had a great year at Pitt um, with, with their quarterback there, basically put him on the Heisman radar. And uh, you know he's 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 got a long track record that dates back to the NFL. And he he would obviously be a very experienced hand if he ended up being the guy with uh, you know, having been in the coaching ranks for 30, 40 years, having traveled through college pro, he's been at Miami in college. He's been with Roethlisberger and the Steelers. So he's, he's been around. And what uh, type of offense do you think Whipple would bring with them to Nebraska? Um, you know, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I think that, you know, they do a lot of variation with the option game stuff. I think there too, uh, Pitt did, and they had a running quarterback and utilized that very well. Um, you know, he, they, they, they moved it all over the field on Wake Forest in the ACC championship game. Um, so I, I think you'd say it's a, it's a very multiple offense. And, you know, part of this is, you know, how do you blend ideas? How, you know, what what is Scott Frost's vision, and does he want to give it completely over to this person, as he sort of suggested a few weeks back? Um, you know, how how big a say does someone like Mickey Joseph, who's now your you know passing game coordinator, have in in who you pick too? Um, all those are really interesting questions that I honestly can't wait <laughs> for the press conference, whenever it is, at the end of this week, or early next week, hopefully. Um, when we're talking about why did you decide, I don't know if it's going to be Whipple, but why did you decide it was this guy? How did the puzzle pieces fit together? And, uh, you know, everybody knows this is the biggest hire Scott Frost has made as Nebraska's, you know, football coach and all that's riding on it. So you know that they've kind of thought about every angle of this. So it's going to be interesting how he, how he explains why they came to what they came to. BC of Husker 24-7, our guest. Well, obviously he can't bring – Kenny Pickett with him uh, because he's like 35 years old. He's moving on. Uh, I wonder if he has somebody in his pocket. Does that need to be the case for any offensive coordinator who arrives at Nebraska? Well, it should be a nice bonus attached to anybody if they, if you thought that uh, they could attract, you know, 
they, there was somebody specifically that's like, okay, I want to play for that guy. That's where I do think there's some appeal of Graham Harrell. Um, because I, I think, you know, even though USC stumbled around this year, that was a pretty dysfunctional situation after Clay Helton got fired. And I'm sure most people on that staff at USC were just like, let's get to December and I can move on with my coaching life. You know, it was one of those type of seasons. Uh, but Graham Harrell, like, I know people in our network, I don't think this would happen, but they mentioned, like, uh, Quinn Ewers, the, you know, five-star quarterback who left Ohio State. Um, and I think he's going to end up at a Texas school. But he's a guy, that, for instance, that really likes Graham Harrell and is very close to him. And I'm not saying that would be a pairing that would happen at Nebraska, but I use it as an example where I think he's the type of coach who would have some QBs jumping. Uh, Whipple might, too. I mean, it, the fact that he had the year he had uh, with Pickett uh, is going to be enticing to quarterbacks. And I think they'll look at that and say, hey, if he could develop this guy and they made – the jump from where they were a year ago to where they are now. Um, yeah, I'll take my chances with that and see if I can't have a similar story. Well, it's interesting with the the, the, the the portal, and we haven't necessarily seen anybody commit to Nebraska. We've seen a few guys, Phil Larry's paying the most recent, uh, to go to the portal. But the, the personnel at Nebraska seems, you know, just doesn't seem to be getting leaning the right ways. Of course, Damian Daniels to leave us to leave um, for the NFL draft. Cam Jurgens is still out there. Um, I, I mean, what are, what are your kind of feelings toward the roster and how it's building next year, and, and how much of that um, can be pitched toward a, a potential offensive coordinator um, because it, it all is somewhat in flux. Yeah, I mean, obviously any OC is going to have to look at and say, I, I really got to develop a QB or we've got to be able to um, recruit somebody special. Um, and th- I mean, they know the lay of the land and they know it's without Adrian. And um, I do think another part of that is, yes, there are some roster holes to fill, but I also think Nebraska's schedule's a little more opened up next year, and some coaches could look at that and say, I see opportunity here. Like, I, I know that they just came off a three-win season, and uh, with the schedule in front of them, I, I'm the type of guy who can help them fix this, and uh, we, can, we can climb this ladder. So uh, there might be some appeal to that, whereas you're not entering a job where a team just went, you know, 10 and three and everybody's saying, Hey, go win 10 games. Now there is there. I think people are going to say, go win eight or so. Um, but that it might be a situation where that's appealing to an OC, even, even though there are some roster holes that, that you talk about, but the wide receivers uh, have some, a good collection of guys coming back. And even without Austin Allen, tight end sort of got an, a full cupboard and Travis Vokalek still in the fold. Jurgens is the big piece of the pie, though. If if they if they lose Jurgens, um, that's that's going to be a significant blow because uh, I don't think people sometimes appreciate enough what what he does for that O line and how many holes he covered this last year. Brian Christopherson, Husker twenty four seven, our guest. They're not going to get anybody great, I wouldn't think, on a one year contract. It sounds like these are going to be multi year contracts. Even Mickey Joseph, uh, you're hearing that initially. That's how you get them. So even if you have to fire them after one year, you get you're just going to have to pay the buyouts, right? Yeah, that'd be the case. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's probably a two or three year deal. Um, almost all assistant coaches always work on two year deals, so that's nothing out of the norm. Um, I, I would guess with an OC, you'd, you'd maybe have to, to bend it to three. And one of the appeals Nebraska will have is 
uh, even though Nebraska hasn't had the success on the field, they still they still play pretty well. I mean, sometimes we look at the numbers and we say, oh, they don't pay as much as this school. But like compared to Pitt, I bet Mark Whipple, I think he was making four seventy five or something like that, uh, four hundred seventy five thousand. I I'm sure Nebraska could you know go up to seven or eight you know or something like that or beyond. So that that would be a big part of the appeal for you know for a coach who is frankly used to um, short-term situations in a way. Like a, a lot of OCs go into jobs knowing that it could be a two- or three-year project. It, nothing's really permanent with that position. A lot of OCs sort of move around, and they, they have to get used to uh, renting out homes as, as opposed to buying them. So I don't, think, uh, I don't think Nebraska's situation is as scary to OCs um, as some people on the outside may think, as long as the guy gets a multiple-year contract at the at the beginning. Uh, jumping to basketball tonight, Michigan coming into town, uh, a top-five team to begin the season. It hasn't looked that way. How do you think Nebraska uh, kind of matches up with the Michigan Wolverines, specifically their big man in the middle, All-American? Yeah, that's the, that's the place you worry about it. Um, I, I thought if there was an encouraging thing, and this is what Fred Hoiberg's hanging his hat on, Nebraska against Indiana, as, as poorly as they shot the ball, uh, they made him work for it on the other end of the in the half court, you know, and they, they held o, or Indiana to a season low in points. So they're going to have to have the same intensity on defense, and they're really going to have to do a job on the boards um, uh, that I think a lot of us are skeptical of against the guy who I think he had 13 points, 15 rebounds. Dickinson did against Nebraska last year. So he's a seven foot one force and he's going to be a problem in this game. You just can't let it be a deal where he, you know, he ends up with, with 21 rebounds or something like that. And it's just a, a ridiculous uh, stat line from him. He's going to get his, but you got to keep it in control. And then the other part of it is, um, you know, Nebraska shooting 27% from three point range. They got, they have to have that game where Fred Hoiberg, you can tell genuinely believes he's seen it in practice. This team can shoot the basketball. It just hasn't translated consistently in games. So Tominaga was starting to get going, uh, prior to Indiana. So you hope that comes back and he has another big night. They need CJ Wilcher to hit a couple. And, uh, you know, a guy like Kobe Webster or something has to pop up and make a few, I think. And the guy who sort of has really struggled, I feel like, all year uh, that's hurt is Lat. And, uh, you know, they need they need some more mileage, mileage out of him and uh, him to knock down some shots. I don't know if the injury is, is kind of hanging with him a bit, but he struggled. So he's a guy they got to get going. BC Husker 24-7, our guest, talking a little Husker basketball right now. He, uh, Hoiberg did the whole thing where he climbs up a ladder and puts two balls in the cylinder trying to show them uh, how easy it is. I mean, it shouldn't be this hard to make shots. And the, Nebraska has consistently gone small. They did it against Indiana. In their win against Colorado, they went small. They just made threes. It doesn't feel, as you mentioned, like Hoiberg's going to give up on the three-point shot anytime soon. He believes this is what they do. Maybe they're going to get out rebounded, but we're going to continue to shoot threes. Yeah, that's what they're going to do, whether people like it or not. And they just have to start making them. And he's banking on it. And he thinks he's got guys who, you know, I know they chart every shot in practice and scrimmages and stuff, and they they put up good numbers. Now, obviously, it's different when the bright lights are on and all that, but they do get enough good looks. It's not like against Indiana, they didn't have shots that were there to be made. Now there's going to be a few cases where 
you have to have better shot selection. And as much as I like what, you know, Bryce McGowan, you can't argue with the numbers he's putting up for a first-year player. I mean, he's ever, he's like seventh in the league in scoring. But there will be those like two or three shots a game you feel like where it's like well, that was a wasted possession. And I really think they need to, best they can, uh, you know, eliminate those shots. Because I, I felt like against Indiana there was a few moments when they're kind of hanging there you feel like if they can they can make something out of this possession, they could they could really get into this game, and uh, they you know they they had some bad shot selection at times. So I think that's going to be key. Alonzo Verge uh, is always the big deal. Like if he can be smart with the basketball, not turn it over. Um, this is a game where Michigan hasn't quite figured out their point guard situation yet. So Alonzo needs to be the guy who at least neutralizes that situation or gets the better better of it for Nebraska to win it. Well, this feels like a Michigan team that could be good and was highly thought of at the start of the year, as high as fourth in the country, I think 25th last week, and now has fallen out of the top 20 at 5-3. and three. I think they'll still be good, uh, BC, but it's probably good to get them now, right? Yeah, I think so, too. Um, you know, they are coming off their best game. They played really well against San Diego State. Before that, they really hadn't. And, uh, you know, they've been running out of the gyms a couple times by, by name programs, yeah. North Carolina and Arizona. Uh, but North Carolina doesn't exactly have it humming, and they beat them by 21. So, yeah, I, I think there's opportunity here. I think there's sort, there's sort of like a lot of college basketball teams where you're trying to blend, like, your first-year guys right now with the guys who have been around, and it takes a while. And it's taken Nebraska a little while, and it's taken Michigan. But, you know, make no mistake, this is their first Big Ten game, and Michigan's thinking this is the jump start. You know, like they're thinking, okay, we got it going a little in San Diego State. Let's go get one on the road, and then we're off and flying. And so uh, it's a pretty – I think you're right, but I also think Michigan's going to come into this game pretty hungry, uh, knowing that it could could maybe – be what they need as a boost. Right. Well, they I think they beat Nebraska just uh, every time but one. Nebraska won that game yeah. in 2018, but uh, Michigan has been pretty successful, but it would be a good win tonight, even if Michigan is slightly down. They're really talented. Hey, great stuff, BC. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, Brian Christofferson covers Husker basketball and football and recruiting. He does it all. He's, uh, he's a machine. Uh, let's get to break. Uh, and then we'll uh, have the pregame. We'll bring the guys in. Rico Alvarez-Clary and Nick Sainert will both be here for the pregame coming up next. You're listening to Tom and Bach. Watch live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch.